listening to audio from Community Bible Church. If you would like to find out more information about us, please visit us at cbcsavannah.com. Well, invitations are kind of a big thing these days. I mean, ask anybody who's kind of paid for them in the last couple of years, and you know how big invitations are. And we got invitations for everything, right? For, you know, for the, we got a wedding shower, we got a baby shower, we got a birthday party, or then there's the actual wedding, and they just get fancier and fancier. You got fancy handwriting, and woo, you know, the calligraphy and all these things. My wife loves a good invitation. She's like, ooh, you know, she gets an invitation. She's like, who's this from, you know, and she gets excited. I, on the other hand, don't get excited because I don't like to leave my house. So, so there's a you know, it's different personality, but... Um, and now, you know, invitations, we have invitations for invitations, right? They called them save the dates. So you have an invitation to tell you, just so you know, there's another invitation coming and, and all these things. Uh, and it feels good to get an invitation because it, it's saying we want you there, right? We, we want you to be part of this shower or this ceremony or this wedding or this whatever. You are invited. Please come be with us. That's, that's what it's saying. Um, and today, we are going to look at an invitation, not to a party or to some celebration or some glamorous occasion, but an invitation to a person, to a person. We have this Advent season, been, we took a break from uh, the Gospel of Matthew. If you're a guest of ours, what we typically do on Sunday mornings is we open up God's Word and we kind of work systematically through books of the Bible, and we've been working out through Matthew since literally last year this time. But for Advent, we've taken a break, and each week we're looking at a different uh, Christmas carol that we sing this time of year, and and ultimately the the theme and the truth behind that carol. And so on week one, we looked at O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, which points us to what hope, that there was hope in the first arrival of Jesus, and there's ultimate hope in the second arrival of Jesus. And in week two, we hearkened, we harked to the angels, we listened to the angels. What did the angels say? Give glory to God. Why? Because unto you a child is given. Unto you a savior is born in the city of David. All right? And so we, we listen and we glorify God because of the savior. And then last week, we looked at Psalm 98 and the song Joy to the World and how there's joy in having a king and there's joy in having a savior and there's joy in that one day Jesus will reverse the curse and that we will spend all eternity giving him glory and rejoicing and enjoying him forever. And today, we're going to look at an invitation for all of us. In the song, O Come, All Ye Faithful. Uh, Famous tune, famous song, most of us know it. Uh, And and what we're gonna do is I'm gonna give you just a little background on the song. There's not much that we know actually about it. Uh, And then we're just gonna look at at the invitation that it gives us. And this is a little bit different. This song's a little bit different than all the others. There's, the other carols that we've looked at have been a little bit more theologically robust in, in some of the verses. This one's a little lighter on the theology, but that's because it's aimed more so at the heart and the response of this response to who Jesus is and what he has done. And that's, that's what we're gonna look at. And so we're gonna see there's an invitation for us, but there's also then a response that he, the, the song is calling us to. And we'll see that as we unpack it. Uh, here, the, the, the brief history of this song, uh, it first shows up. We don't actually know for sure who wrote it, First time it shows up, it's in 1751, and it was in Latin. It was originally called Adeste Fideles. Some of you, when you were in like third grade, had to sing this in Latin. You had no clue what you were singing, but you did. You sang it at the Christmas uh, 
Christmas party, right? Uh, but it's ascribed to an Englishman named John Francis Wade. We don't know if he really wrote it or if he just kind of copied it down. But it was translated into English in the 1840s by a man named Frederick Oakley. And he originally started translating it, and it never caught on because he started it, Oh, faithful, approach thee. Just doesn't have the same ring, does it? Oh, faithful, approach Doesn't have the same ring. So, so he went back to the drawing board and a couple times, and he finally came up with, Oh, come all ye faithful, we don't actually know who originally wrote the tune that we sing it to. Some said Handel, some said other people. We don't really know, so I won't say uh, for sure. But all I know is it's become one of our beloved carols. And, it, and it's, it's, a, it's a grand tune, right? It, it appeals to the emotions. It fits the words. Oh, come, all ye faithful, come, let us adore him. And so let's look at this invitation and then the response as we work kind of through these verses. Verse one, the most famous of the verses, Oh, come, all ye faithful, Joyful and triumphant, O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the king of angels. And so the invitation of the the verse here, really, it kind of alludes to the invitation of the angels. Remember Luke chapter two, shepherds keeping flock at night and behold an angel, the Lord shows up and says, fear not for behold, I bring to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Why? Here's the good news. Unto you, there's this personal nature. Unto you is born this day in the city of David, that's Bethlehem, a savior who is Christ, the Messiah, the Lord. And, and here's how you'll know. This is a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in, in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And then suddenly there is this, a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, what? We looked at this. Glory to God in the highest and peace among those whom he's pleased. And when the angels went away, to them into heaven, the shepherd said, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. See, the angels show up and they're showing up. It's an invitation, right? They don't just show up to say, just so y'all know, down the road, your Messiah is born. You're welcome. Have a nice day. And they didn't walk away. They didn't do that. They know, they tell them, okay, here's how you know your Messiah has been born and here's how you know you can identify him. He's gonna be lying in a manger, wrapped in cloths, because that is unique. Right? You don't put your baby in a dog dish, right? Because that's what a manger is. It's the dog dish for cows and sheep. You don't put your kid in the dog, if you do put your kid in the dog dish and then come talk to me afterwards and we'll set you up with a good counselor, a parental counselor, right? No, you don't do that. So this is how you'll know. What are the angels saying? We want you to go see him. It's an invitation. And then what do they say? Let's go see him. Let's go. Let's go behold him. And what verse one of this song reminds us and and what the scripture teach us, y'all, if you get nothing else today, get this, that our God is a God who invites people to himself. He's not, you know, like the mighty Oz sitting behind a curtain, go away, go. No, he opens the curtain and he says, come, come and behold him. This is throughout the scripture. Old Testament, God says this, come now. Let us reason together, says Yahweh, says the Lord. Though your sins are scarlet, they will be whiter than snow. Though you're red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Come. Early on in Jesus' ministry, he shows up. John the Baptist says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And two of John's disciples start stalking Jesus. They're following him. (laughs) And Jesus turns around and says, what do y'all want? What are you seeking? And they say, teacher, rabbi, where are you staying? And this is Andrew, by the way, the brother of Peter. He says, you want to know? Come and see. Come follow me. 
right? Jesus said to the disciples, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me will never thirst. He says on the last day of the feast, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow the rivers of water. He tells the 12 disciples, follow me, come after me, and I will send you, make you fishers of men. He says to all of us, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and what I will give you rest. He says to uh, Peter, when Peter says, when Jesus is walking on the water, and he says, if it's you, Lord, command me to come out. And he says, come, come to me. Peter has a little, little slip, falls in the water, but Jesus takes him, right? He tells the rich young ruler who wants to follow him, one thing you lack, go sell all you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and then what? Come follow me, come. He tells the disciples, don't keep the kids away. Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for such belongs the kingdom of heaven. He tells old Zacchaeus, my favorite short tax collector, Zacchaeus, what are y'all doing in the tree? Come on down and be with me. I have to go to your house today. And the scripture ends. The spirit and the bride say, come. The one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty, what? Come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. We have a God, CBC, who says, come. Come. Draw near to God. He will draw near to you. And the song is reminding, you were invited. Yes, you. Now, here's the problem I have with the song. All right, it's in the first line. Oh, come all ye what? Anybody, does that fit your, you describe yourself as faithful? Because I don't. Not on my best day. I mean, if I was in a coma for a day, maybe I'd be moderately faithful, but I probably even wouldn't be then. And so I have a little bit of a challenge with like, is Jesus saying, you can come as long as you've been faithful? He's like the, looking for the who's who in the church, or he's looking for kind of the top gun Christians, you know, the best of the best. Those people are welcome. Everyone else? Is that what the song was saying? Oh, well, no. And all we have to do is look at the birth narratives of Christ to affirm that, right? Who are the, who are the people that are invited to the birth of Christ? Who are the first people? The shepherds. And I know we make the shepherds like these sweet guys. We put them in, you know, we dress our kids up in daddy's robe and put a headband on them and we, you know, and, and but shepherds, were, were the lowly of the day. Actually, they're the forgotten. Actually, it's really, when, even when you're doing the kids' play, you give Mary and Joseph and the wise men out, and you're like, who we got left? Make them shepherds, right? Because it's the forgotten kids. So if your kid's a shepherd, yes, we know, they're still special, but that's all right. But the shepherds were the forgotten. They were considered second-class citizens because they were always out in the field. Their testimony was not valid in court. They could, if you, if you brought them to court, it didn't count because no one believed them because they were just out there, guys. They didn't participate in all the festivals and the feasts. They just were their own deal. And they're the first ones there, the shepherds. And then the only other people that show up in any of the birth narratives, even though it's a little bit later, it's not immediate, it's about a year later, is who? It's the Magi. In Matthew chapter two, the wise men, the three kings that weren't kings and there wasn't three of them. But they, they show up. And remember, Matthew's gospel is written to a, a Jewish audience. And when they hear that pagan sorcerers, astrologers from the East are the first ones that are invited to Messiah, 
it, they would have been like, what in the world is going on? Because they were way outsiders. They were worse than shepherds. But yet they're the ones who God sends the star so that they can see and follow. And so the point is this. If God brings pagan astrologers and the lowest of the low and says, come, who's not invited? Everybody is invited to come and behold. Everybody. But the problem, the problem is not everyone comes, right? Even those who know. Not, they, those who have been invited, not everyone responds. Who in the birth narratives knows but doesn't respond? Herod. Right? The Magi show up in Jerusalem and say, where is he who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east when it rose. And what does Herod? He, Herod goes immediately to Messiah. He asks the chief priests and the scribes, where's Messiah supposed to be born? And they say, Bethlehem. What they should have said was, are you kidding me, Bethlehem? That's like right down the road. That's five miles down the road. Literally, Jerusalem and Bethlehem, five miles down the road. It'd be like you driving to Pooler without all the traffic on 16. It's that simple. And they don't even move. The chief priests, the, the Pharisees, the leaders, they don't, they, don't, they don't even do anything. They could have sent like the new intern, like, dude, go check that out. Get some coffee on the way back too. They do nothing, right? Why? Because Herod, Herod doesn't want a new king. Herod's happy being king. And the scribes and the Pharisees, they don't, they don't need a new religion. They, they got their own religion. They they know the Bible. They go to the tabernacle temple on Saturdays. They don't need uh, to get on their knees before a new, a new king, right? I'm good. And, and so when, when the song says, come all you faithful, you know who the faithful are? The faithful are those who realize that they're not. That's the faithful, but that he is. The faithful are the needy and the broken. Blessed are the Poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn of their sin. They shall be comforted. The faithful are the ones who are like, I'm needy, I'm broken, I'm empty. And so I come to this king like the magi on my knees. That's the faithful. And the question you gotta ask yourself, and I have to ask myself this Christmas is, which, which response is mine? Who do I identify with more this Christmas? Am I like Herod? I mean, some, the odds are someone here this morning, you hear, come behold the king, and you're like Herod, you're like, I really don't need a king. I'm 22, I'm in my fraternity, I, I wanna live my life and do what I wanna do, and I, you know, this is my parents' deal, and I'm here with them, but I really, I just kinda wanna do my thing, and you know, maybe when I get older and have kids and get a job, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll follow Jesus then, but right now, I'm in charge of my life. Maybe that's you. Or maybe you are like the scribes and Pharisees. You're like, yeah, I know this whole thing. I got it. I did my quiet time. And I, you know, I, when the little lady rings the red bell and I give my little dollar and I feel good about that. And I go to church on Christmas and I'm here and, you know, I'll serve once in a while. I don't, I don't need to bend the knee. I don't need to behold. I'm good. I'm religious. I'm much better than that person anyway. Or do you identify with the Magi and say, here's my gifts? Or the shepherds, let's go and see what the Lord has promised, right? Because the one who is inviting, we, we cannot forget who is inviting, who is saying come. And that's what verse two highlights, right? Who's inviting? Who, who's the return address here? 
True God of true God. Light from light eternal. Lo, he shuns not the virgin's womb. Son of the Father, begotten, not created. And that's, you're like, that's kind of like fancy language, isn't it? Yeah, because it's right out of the Nicene Creed. Some of you, for, you know, ex-Anglicans, Episcopalians, and whatevers, you, you're like, yeah, I remember this. It's a fourth century creed that was basically affirming who Jesus was. And so the, the second verse, is, it's identifying who's the one inviting you here? Who's the one saying, come behold? The true God of true God. And, and the idea of that is, Everything that is God is in Christ. Everything that, that makes Jesus, Jesus, that's God. And he, that's who he is. He is light from light eternal. He is the true light, John says, who came into the world so that we all may see. And even though that's who he is, he doesn't shun the virgin's womb. He's not like, I can't believe I gotta go down there to her. That 15-year-old girl, really? He doesn't shun that. He's the son of the father. He's begotten not created. And we have to remember that this time of year, that I know we have these images of little baby Jesus and blah, blah, blah. You know, the one who is inviting is the same one from Isaiah 6 when Isaiah says, and he sees the throne room of heaven. He says, in the year Isaiah, King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high, lifted up. The train of his robe filled the temple and above him stood the seraphim. These are angels. Each had six wings. They covered their face. They covered their feet. The two wings, they flew. And one called to another as they're flying. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And their voices, the voice of the angel now, is so powerful, it is so mighty, it is so loud that the foundations of the threshold shook at just the angels who were speaking. And the house was filled with smoke. Not, not the one who's on the throne, the angels who were saying, holy, holy, holy. It's so powerful and so mighty that it, that it shakes. It's like an earthquake they use Isaiah sing. And that is the one, the one on the throne there, the one who is holy. He is the one who is saying, come. Come behold. Come to me. That's what he's saying. Right? And make, make no mistake. I know he, this, the narratives, they, he's a seven pound, three ounce baby in the arms of a 15 year old from redneck town of Guyton. It's, it's like, can anything good come out of Guyton? No, that's the idea. And, and it doesn't look like much. And the dad's a 19 year old with like three, his little goatee's got like three hairs coming out. He doesn't know what he's doing. I know it's not impressive, but make no mistake. That is the son of God. He was, this is not his beginning. He, he was begotten. He was not created. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the one where Paul says that he is seated far above rule and power and authority and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age and the age to come. That is who it is. This is not his beginning. He is from age to age. He is eternal and past. This is just where he enters. And this time of year, I, I always love to, to, to kind of find the, the youngest of babies. We had a 10-day-old baby in the last service. And you, you see a 10-day-old baby, and they're all like, you know, they can't hold their head up, and they're drooling, and they're throwing up on themselves. Oh, they're cute. And they, you know, but think about that. That little 10-day-old, and those of you who've had kids, you, you understand what I'm talking about. That little helpless six-pound, four-ounce, have to do everything for God became that. That's what he did. But he was no less the God on the throne at the same time. That is the miracle. And that God is saying, come to me. 
I want you to come to me. And when you grasp that you are not faithful, but that he still invites you into his presence, the response is verse three. It's sing choir of angels, sing in exultation, sing all you citizens of heaven above. The, the, the song's just saying, hey, the angels are saying what? Remember, does your savior is born in the city of David, a savior is Christ the Lord. And their response is glory to God in the highest. And the, the song is just saying, just join the angels, the millions and millions. And, and there's myriads and millions, myriads, millions of angels who, who glorify God because of this. And, and the song is just saying, hey, join them. Why? Because you're a citizen of heaven. This is what Paul says. Our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a savior, the Lord, Christ Jesus. Because you're a citizen of heaven, these angels have been in heaven Sing, rejoice, glorify God, the one who called you, even though you're not worthy. I know your mom told you you were so lovable. You're not. You're just not. But God is. He says, come, right? Come, come to me, the great and mighty God. And in the last verse of the song, it pictures us at the manger, Right? It's, it's a culmination of all the verses. Come behold him and sing and know who he is. True God of true God, he's the word of the Father. And it's just the, it, it, the culmination of you're there at the manger. And we have these nice little pictures of the, you know, what the manger must have been like. Oh, it's so cute. It's like camping. It's a couple cows, a couple sheep. You know, there's a donkey. Jesus in a nice warm hay and a nice barn. And there's this door. It's so nice. I want to be part of that. that. That's probably not what it was. Right? We don't know what the, ca- the cattle are lowing. I don't even know what that means, but the baby was certainly crying. No crying he makes. What baby you know doesn't cry? Sleeping baby, maybe. Uh, it, we have these nice little pictures. We don't even know where Jesus, we know Bethlehem, but that's it. I mean, you go to Israel now, they have this little thing that looks like a fireplace. Jesus was born here. Right? We don't know that. Could have been in a cave, because sometimes animals are kept in a cave. I think most likely it was outdoors. Right, because mangers would have been in like a courtyard and there's no room for Jesus in the inn. The inns in those days would have been one room where everybody would have just gathered. You do not want a woman in labor in that room, especially pre-epidural. So what do you do? You send her outside. She has a baby outside. That's probably what happened. And they lay him in a manger because that's the only place. Right, and, but the picture is here you are saying, yay, Lord, we greet you. Born this happy morning, Jesus, to you, to you be all glory, word of the Father. This is right out of John 1, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory from the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And, and the question, the song beckons us, and what we need to answer, especially in light of today being the fourth Sunday of Advent, is why? Why does the word become flesh? and dwell among us. Why? Was he bored? I mean, he doesn't need to leave heaven. He's, he's the object of worship and glory and, and majesty. And why leave that and go there? And if you're gonna come to earth, I mean, at least come with some fanfare, right? Come to a rich family. Come to a, temp, come to a, a cast. That's what, that's what normally kings do. Right? They're not gonna come, you know, when important people show up, they show up with their entourage, right? Remember Aladdin? Make way for Prince Ali. He comes in and everyone's singing and they're on, you know, that's how a prince or a king comes. Not teenage girl, quiet, no fanfare, right? Why? 
Why? And the answer is what we're talking about, what we sang earlier. For God so loved the world that he moved, he acted, that he gave his only son. Why? So that whoever believes in him and his son will not perish but have eternal life. Because God didn't send his son into the world to judge the world, to condemn the world, because we were already under condemnation. We were already under judgment. He, he sent his son to save the world, that we might be saved through him. Love, the invitation, behold, come. It's an invitation to, to love, to see, experience the love of God, not because we are lovely, not because we're lovable, but because he is. That's, that's the point. And, and if you're here, here today, and again, I don't know where you're at and what life has thrown you, and, but here, here's what I want you to know. God is inviting you into his love, that God loves you today. He loves you today. That God the Father, the, the triune God, that he loves you. That God the Father so loved you. And understand, he loves his son, his only son, his one and only son. God the Father loves the second person of the Trinity, the son of God. He, for eternity past, they've been in perfect fellowship forever, perfect self-giving love. God loves the son, but he loves you so much that he sends his son and he is actually gonna nail his son to the cross so that you can become his son and daughter as well. That's how much God loves you, that he would do that for you. And the son leaves heaven where he is the, the object of everyone's affection and glory. He, he becomes a plain Jewish man that no one would even notice. And he lives a life that you couldn't live and then he offers himself. No one takes his life from him. He gives his life. He has authority to lay it down and take it up. He lays down his life for you and says, okay, I'm innocent. You're guilty. I'm gonna give you my righteousness and I'm gonna take your sin on me. And I'm gonna suffer the wrath of my father so that you don't have to because I love you. And he willingly lays down his life so that you could become his brother and his sister and that you could share in his inheritance in his kingdom. That's how much he loves you. And then the spirit seals the deal, right? The spirit reminds us that what can separate you from the love of God in Christ? Nothing, not even you, right? This is why even though he says, oh, come all you faithful, I'm not faithful, but because I'm in Christ and he's faithful, that's my, that's my righteousness. That's my faithfulness. And the Spirit reminds me of that. And the Spirit enables me now to respond, not only to that, but to love. Because I can love, why? Because he first loved us. We only love because he first loved us. And now his Spirit fills me with, with love and joy and peace. All these things we've been talking about. So the, the self-giving nature of the Trinity, all affirming love for us and welcoming and saying, Come, Revelation 3, behold, Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, I will come in with him, dine with him. That's the God that's saying, oh, come. And so there's only one response. The song tells us like 16 times what to do in light of this invitation. Oh, come, let us what? Adore. 
See, God doesn't want your money. What's he gonna spend it on? A new chariot? A new planet? Oh, I'm gonna buy that planet now. He doesn't want your, he doesn't need your gifts. Anything you have has he been given to you anyway. He wants your affection because that's what he deserves. So the song says, come adore. You say, how do I adore God? Well, how do you adore anything? Some of you adore Georgia football. It's a great idol for you. But what do you do? Because you adore it. You wear the t-shirt. You, you're watching YouTube videos from 1980, last time, or Herschel Walker. You talk of it. You, you think of it. You dream of it in your sleep. You spend lots of money to go to a game. That's how you adore it. Nothing wrong as long as it's kept in its place. How do you adore Christ? You talk of him. You talk to him. Right? You, you have a great opportunity this week. This Saturday, we're gonna have three services. People are more open to hear about Christ this season. You can invite a friend that doesn't have a church, a coworker, say, hey, come to two o'clock, 3.30 service with me. We're gonna sing some Christmas carols. Come. You can, you can invite, you can point people to him. You can serve him. You can sacrifice for him and to him. Here's a big way we adore him. We obey him. Because he's the king. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Some of you are gonna like, yeah, I love God, but you won't obey him. You don't love him if you don't obey him. That's his words, not mine. But these are ways we adore him. And then we, we sing, we glorify him. We remember him through the table, which we're gonna do. And we, we adore him in that way, so many ways. And, and if you find yourself this morning, your heart's a little cold. Not cold outside, it is cold outside. It's like Antarctica out there, I get it. But your heart's cold to the things of God. And it wasn't always that way. There was a time when you were passionate about the things of God, that you, you repented of sin and you read the Bible and it came off the pages and, and you were excited about the things of God and you sang and you worshiped and you, you were excited about what was going on and how you were growing, but it hasn't happened in a while. Here's what you need to do. You need to ask God, the Holy Spirit, to rekindle that flame in your heart because that's what he does. That's what he does. That there would be, again, a passion for the things of God. There'd be a passion to hear his word, that he would speak to you through it. And he would awaken that. Just like Paul tells Timothy, fan into flame the gift of God that is in you through the laying out of our hands. That, that the spirit would fan into flame once again a, a passion for God. Because y'all, he is passionate about us. God loves us. And Jesus loves his church, y'all his bride. Jesus loves his church. And so if you're a, a Christian this morning, your response is, is to ask God, how can I adore you? How can I show you I adore you? What does that look like for me? Not just now, but tomorrow. And if you're not a Christian this morning, the only reason you're here this morning is God wanted me to tell you that he loves you. And you're like, well, I don't, yeah, you're not a very good communicator about that. Oh, well, I'm sorry. But here's the thing. God loves you and he brought you here this morning because he wants to forgive you of your sins and give you eternal life. And that only comes through repenting of sin and believing that he is who he said he is and he did what he said he did. He died, he rose again. And you can have life and you can experience eternal life with him if you believe that. That's why you're here. If, you're, if you're, this is your first time or you're a guest, you're not a Christian. So God is sending me to tell you he loves you and he wants to forgive you of your sins and give you life. Because that's the kind of God he is. He's saying, 
Come. Come to me, all here weary and heavenly. I'll give you rest. Come drink the water of life. Come eat the bread of life. Spirit and the bride say, come. And so we come and we respond. And we respond by what? Adoring him. So let me pray. And we're gonna sing. And here's what I love this song. Because it says, oh, come, let us adore him. Remember I told you early on in this series, singing is vertical. We sing to God, but it's also horizontal. It's singing to one another. And so when we say, Oh, come, let us, we're saying to God, but we're also telling, hey, you, over there, let's go. You're one of the shepherds. Come on, let's go as the worm. That's, it's, it's a response for all of us. So sing, that group over there, you sing to those people over there, you guys sing to them. Balcony, you sing down, y'all sing up. We're singing to one another. Let's go to Bethlehem, metaphorically, not get on a plane. Let's metaphorically go and adore him together. Why don't you stand and I'll pray and we'll sing Thank you, Father, for the love of God in Christ demonstrated in the incarnation, in the atonement, and in the resurrection. That gives us hope and joy and peace, and it's the proof of your love, and so we're thankful for that. In Christ's name.